ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terramaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. Brian Fuller, welcome to ATV Talk. How are you, brother? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, my pleasure. We've been, we've been supposed to do this for almost two years. And the only reason it hadn't happened is because uh, I'm piss-poor scheduler. Yeah, well, we had a group thing going there for a while. That was all right. That was in the, that was before we were ever published. Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, that was episode number five when we did the uh, roundtable. Yeah, that was a good group. Oh, it was an, it was an amazing show. I mean, it, it still gets listens today. Wow. You know, I mean, that's... It, you were asking me earlier, you know, how many how many episodes we have and all this. Like I said, we're probably in the 235 range total with the special events that we've done and things like that. Um, in studio, like you are today, I don't do it very often. Um, you're a friend. I've known you my whole life. Uh, went to the same school. Um, you were the local guy that was the fast the fastest of all of us when we were racing and uh it goes back a ways yeah well i remember you taking me practicing and yeah you know and you were when you were racing the nationals and yes goes back 86 87 well we, we knew each other before then though too yeah yeah the old barona days yeah that back then too yeah um you and your brother had uh 9110s built by dad Back when your dad would would bring him to him yeah. to have him done. One thirty twos. Yeah, <laughs> yours ran the whole time, and your brother your brother's broke. I wonder why. <laughs> well, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't technically going to go there, but yeah, yeah, you know. That's one guy you didn't loan your bike to. Well, you know, <laughs> I heard he was a little hard on transmissions. Yeah, yeah. But that that happens. Yeah. Um, how did you come to start riding three wheelers? When my parents moved out to East County, Dunbar Lane, when I was in third grade, um, my dad bootlegged the, the track in for us, made the, the property, you know, his own property to a couple tracks, and we just started with little 60s and 90s motorcycles and then evaluated from there, but that's where it all started when we moved out the off of Dunbar Lane. What level did you get to in the motorcycles? Um, at the uh, CMC rank, I was uh, top intermediate. A couple more races, I could have turned pro. Really? Yeah. That's when uh, Bobby Sullivan had his accident, and my parents were pretty much uh, scared of it from there on because you know we were going a lot faster than we used to. 
that's pretty much when the, the motorcycle part stopped, except for fun riding and dune riding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that would have been, Bobby got hurt uh, the day before Christmas in, what was that, 79. That's when Bobby got paralyzed. That was a couple days ago. Yeah, yeah, that goes back a long ways. That was a life-changing experience for everybody in town, though. Not yeah. just you guys. Yeah, that changed a lot of a lot of people's. If they weren't already, you know, top top riders or factory riders or going to be factory riders, a lot of them kind of faded away to just riders instead of racers. Yeah, because everybody did it thinking that you can't get hurt. Yeah, yeah, and when it happens right in front of you. Yep. Yeah, that's a shock for my parents and Bobby's parents, and you know even R and D, which was Bobby's sponsor, was you know devastated for quite a while. How old were you when that happened? Um, I was fifteen. How did it? How, do you remember what what it did for you psychologically? Yeah, the, the day of, of it, I remember because Bobby crashed and he's laying there, and I was right behind him practicing with him and my brother was right in front of him so I was planning on catching them both that was my goal that's what I was trying to build up to and when Bobby crashed I was right there and then the ambulance came and the CHP came and the CHP guy was just a jerk he wouldn't even let me ride up to my, my parents house our house to let his parents know that they were going to take him to a different hospital he tried to stop me and tried to grab me and I pulled away and I just roosted his car, rode up the hill, got my mom, mom already knew, she came down, and then that cop tried to arrest me. And <laughs> that didn't work out very well for him, but he, mell he mellowed out, but he didn't know what happened. He didn't know if we ran into each other, if we knew each other. He was one guy. So that was where it all, that's where the, the motorcycle end ended for us. My brother tried it a little bit after that, Carlsbad, and uh, he, got a dislocated shoulder and then he had kids so he gave up and then uh, I did some motorcycle at Barona for a while with Garen on the on his little motorcycle right. for a couple of years with Craig Ivelli and right. you know and uh, it just it was fun when we were doing it with Craig and you know a couple friends but you know had two kids and a wife and so I kind of put that away and put a paddle on it instead of a a knobby instead of a knobby and enjoy the dunes which I still do a lot I still enjoy that yeah because you would prefer that you prefer the two-wheeler in the dunes over the uh, over the three-wheeler or four-wheelers don't you now I do for sure and even the side-by-side -side. I like the side-by-side -side, you know when it's crowded or something but when it's the wind blows and the dunes are flush and virgin it's there's nothing like it so you know it's a roller coaster ride made by you, you know. You get four or five guys that want to ride with you and kind of race around. It's a lot of fun. Well, we used to have a lot of fun. You know, you, we, you'd you lead and, and you were the racetrack. Yeah. Yeah, I would set the line and then you guys would try to kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> My son stills mad at me. So. Well, yeah, we've had six, seven, eight really good riders trying to run my ass over many times. I don't think we ever ran into you, have we? Garen ran into me a couple times, but nothing that was really, you know, because usually it's a sharp turn or, you know. Well, that's just your kid paying you back for yeah. making him take the trash out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. the old rule was you can't pass 
outside the leader's line or inside the leader's line. You got right. to go, go around the outside. So if you want to try to pass, nobody wanted to pass me, but between the guys in the back, right. they couldn't pass each other unless they were outside the leader's line, which made it a little difficult for them. But. Well, I remember passing on the outside or trying to pass on the outside. And you just get a face full of sand, yeah. and yeah. Uh, you know you really have to be aggressive. And you and, and it's really hard to take that inside line when you're when you're turning with paddles. They yeah. grip really well. You don't they don't drift the same. And a bike turns a lot sharper. Oh yeah, and a lot easier. You know, went from the CR five hundred to a CRF four fifty O two to a thirteen CRF four fifty. Right. Injected, which made it a a lot easier to ride. Made it easier on your body yeah. too. Yeah, I missed the the 500. The 500 was an animal, but definitely harder to ride. And, uh, yeah. Well, that was my bike of choice the few times that I came out and rode with you guys. Yeah. Just because I could put it in third gear and I didn't ride to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I just followed. Yeah, that, that was probably my favorite, but the, the 13 injected 450 with the suspension and all the stuff done to it is the dream bike really compared to what we rode in the past for sure right. you know I'll probably get another one before before I retire but we'll see <laughs> <laughs> so what made you buy a Tri-Z I went to Buttercup with some guys from school which was Mark Wyckoff and you know Kevin Pinchotti and we, had all, we all had, you know, 110s and, and 185Ss, and uh, I just, I saw it, and I thought it was kind of cool, so I bought it, and that was, you know, right after all the Bobby thing, it was a couple years later, just decided that's a, I wanted to, I wanted to ride something. You were closer to 20 years old at that point, weren't you? Yeah, probably, yeah. So it was five or six years later. Yeah. So I, I wanted to get back to riding, you know, the, I love the berm tracks at the dunes and stuff. And the Tri-Z, um, one, uh, one of their friends down there had one, and he let me ride it, and it handled good, and, you know. Um, so I, I bought it, and we raced it for, I don't know, a season and a half before we went to the Hondas. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it, you know. It was just something different, and, and it, you know, and that, that's when they talked me into going to Barona to start racing. How, how long after you went to Barona did you end up talking to Lauren? Or was it before you went up there? That was the first the first time I went up there. I saw Lauren. Lauren came and talked to me. And uh, number one asked me why I bought a Tri-Z. <laughs> <laughs> and number two asked me why I didn't come to Danny's Machine Works to, to get my tires and stuff. And ever since then it uh, took off from there. Yeah, the Tri-Z was a good bike. It wasn't as good as the the Honda 250R, but we did a lot of work to it to make it work. Yeah, Lauren spent a lot of time changing that thing around. Yeah, with the fuel the fuel tank system and yeah. putting fitting a bigger carb on there, and they put a pipe on it and did some cylinder porting. Yeah, a little bit. It stayed stock for a while, and then definitely was getting out uh, performed as far as starts and you know uphills. And, stuff like that so but you also had a good feel for making it making it work so you had some success on it right away yeah yeah we did a couple championships at Barona in the expert class and uh, you know we raced at Carlsbad a bunch on that TT track and the roundy round yep <clears throat> and, 
and we went. Lauren and I went a few places with it. We went to Phoenix and and a couple places, and that was basically following the 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 pro circuit as you know the ones that you know Marty and Stevie and all those guys were racing those little warm up things before the nationals started. So we followed that a little bit, did a couple of those races, which we we won a couple of them. So that was kind of where it took off for the Honda. So when you guys decided to, because you both, you each both bought a Honda. At the same place at the same time. Right. Yeah. Wasn't that Honda Lemon Grove? No, it was where your dad was, I think. Va- El Cajon? I think it was Valley. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we both went in there and bought them and, and uh, took them to your, uh, right there by Lee Bright's shop. Where the old Danny Bichette was. And we dra- dra- drag raced them down the alley and I beat him on the first one and then on the second one we swapped and he beat me so we decided that the bike that was the fastest one became the race bike and the bike that came in second became the practice bike <laughs> it's a, I guess that's one way to solve yeah, it right we just drag, drag race a couple three four times and one bike was a little bit faster than the other <laughs> yeah can't explain it never even tried to figure it out no and he built that one into a race bike and I we did the same thing to the practice bike, which I still have that bike. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's that was a lot of fun. Kept me out of a lot of trouble. Well, not only that, but you had a great experience traveling the nationals. Yeah, yeah. The traveling part, you know, is kind of grueling. You know, especially if you if you have a bad outing, it, it makes it kind of hard. But you have a good outing and a, and a good trip and. You know, we've been rained, go all the way to Texas and get rained out, you know, got to drive all the way back. You know, you lose your entry and everything, you, everything's gone. So there, there was some tough stuff there. I, I had some help. My parents helped me a little bit and some of the construction guys that my dad was working for and we were doing work for would, would give me a hundred bucks for gas here and there and, you know, a couple things. But, you know, all in all, it was to, to keep me motivated, keep me out of trouble. You know, stay on the, the path of uh, some type of success. <laughs> the hundred bucks for gas nowadays sounds like a joke. Yeah, yeah. But back then, what gas was a dollar something a gallon or less? When when I got my driver's license, gas was eighty five cents a gallon. I'll never forget it. <laughs> right at the right at the Chevron in Lakeside. Well, you know, when I got my license, which was a couple years later. They give me twenty bucks, and you buy a can of Copenhagen and <laughs> and fill your truck up, and, and you know that drive around for the weekend. Yeah, and a six pack or a twelve pack. Well, you know, I didn't <laughs> throw that in there too much, you know. But yeah, we had a lot of fun here, you know, in East County with with so many different forms of entertainment, from riding our three wheelers to motorcycles. That you know, the sand pits had that one pond that you could ride oh, jet yeah. skis in. Took our jet skis in there many times. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. The sand pits on the on the Santee side was pretty good. We had a couple good tracks out there that we would ride. That's when the, um, we were doing the nationals on the three wheeler. Sean Finley and I were riding together, practicing a lot together, until Kawasaki told him not to ride with me anymore. <laughs> because he was a Honda guy. Well, because he was on a Cowie, and, and I was starting to, you know, him and I were pretty equal as far as riders, and they didn't want him riding with me riding with me anymore so he had to sneak out to go riding with me how would they know I don't know how they would know they probably wouldn't he just said that they don't want you to ride with me anymore 
Because <laughs> he was coming to my tracks, actually. So, nice. Yeah, but yeah, that was fun. I miss him. I don't see him much. I correspond with him a little bit um, to have him come on the show. He's uh, lives in Arizona and he's really busy. He's always working on a project, and if he's not working on a project, he's riding a dual sport bike or riding a mountain bike. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would, I have talked to him in years, but yeah, we used to ride a lot. Uh, those Cowleys are fast. Yeah. Did you ever, did you ever ride one? I rode them, but not really competitively. You know, I shot the hill with the, they got the Kawasaki brothers that used to race mm -hmm. their Buttercup and stuff, and then I, I rode his around the track a couple times. It just feels weird to get on something different and try to ride it like you do your bike. It's, it's takes a while to, to be able to hit it at the same speed you did on your bike. Right, you know, it's definitely a definitely a learning curve. One of the questions I had is, you would go, you would practice here on the tracks that we had here, and I don't remember any of the tracks here having any really big jumps. No, they were mostly natural terrain, kind of you know drop offs, you know ledges. You got to jump up, you know, or, or or horseshoe turns, stuff like that. The track that my dad made for my brother and I when. We were younger. Was was uh, it was about a two and a half minute lap time, and it was pretty gnarly, especially when you don't groom it. So it was it was a tough track. But we've had a lot of a lot of uh, local pros race or ride that track for practice. That used to come up and park at my parents' house and ride up there and uh, spend a lot of time, you know, grooming that track. And the the where I was going with that is when you go to Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> they have some just enormous jumps on the track, doubles. Yeah, but most of the most of the time on the three wheelers and stuff, they weren't as big as you think, like today's standards. The jumps were were more like ski jumps, long jumps. They would put a little bump after it, so if you wanted to try to double it, you could. If it was a if it was like like in North Raleigh, North Carolina, it was inside of an infield, so it was a more of a. a, a TT type motocross track was just a bunch of flinger jumps. You know, they weren't they weren't anything that was. You know, most of them weren't even doubleable because they were so far apart. So it just depends on where you went at the nationals. If you went to <clears throat> Loretta Lens or something way more motocrossy, you know, you, you go to Gainesville, Florida, way more motocrossy and sandy, which was right up my alley. And then you get to some of these other ones that are just put into fairgrounds that are more like TT tracks. That was the one thing I didn't like about the, the three-wheeler races is I wanted to do motocross. That was my thing. And half of the format for the whole year was TT and motocross. How did you fare in the TT races? TT, once we went pro, the, the bikes that they put on the track on the TTs was a little more performance than what we had. A little, those guys were a little crazier than I were, <laughs> especially the roundy round ones. But as far as the... Uh, TT tracks that weren't, you know, 100 mile an hour. It was a little better for me, but motocross was definitely where I wanted to go. Was uh, Gatorback your favorite place to go? After that race, it was. We never went back though. Right. We never had the same one there again. But yeah, we did it. We went. That was our first, uh, our first national. Yeah. We won the first moto, which was very, very good success there. And then we went to uh, uh, Loretta Lynn's after that, Tennessee. And, uh, that one was good. We, we did a good finish there. But 
those are good motocross tracks and you talk about the difference between uh, humidity and raining and <laughs> bugs about the size of your hand you know it's just I, I can remember sitting at, in Florida at Gainesville Lauren had to take the pit or fan me because you couldn't even tell you were breathing because the humidity was so hot and the temperature was so hot you're just sweating you know and it was it was uh, it took a lot out of a lot of people a lot of people get heat stroke from those kind of things especially the long motos yeah how long were the motos then <clears throat> 20 minutes on the three wheelers so they weren't they weren't very long they were about 10 12 laps but on a motocross track you know a long motocross track that, that was pretty good but you know with the humidity and the heat if you don't live back east it's hard to experience that stuff <laughs> you know <laughs> it's a uh, it's like when you go to Hawaii and you, you step into the water and it's 80 degrees and the air temperature is 80 degrees, you know, and, and everything. The humidity is 80 and you don't even know that nothing changes. It's, they all feel the same. It's <laughs> very weird. But, yeah. Did you have any any luck in the TTs at all? As the amateur level, we had a lot of luck on the TTs. On the, on the pro level, I didn't have much luck on the TTs. I didn't have anywhere to practice on an oval or on a real TT track. All my tracks were had a, had a couple turns that were TT, but everything else had like a set of whoops or a, or a G out dip thing, you know, on my tracks that I had. Everything was based around motocross for the most part. Everything I practiced, I didn't have anywhere to go that, that had a real TT track that I could practice on. I know, because we went to Porterville and you rode the amateur 250 like like the 250a class yeah and i didn't you didn't you win it yes well no i got third on the 250 and you won the and then won the 200x yeah yeah and that was a last minute entry deal <laughs> to throw it together <laughs> yeah that was pretty funny your dad cracked me up on that one i asked i asked lauren if i could uh, race the 200 because there's he says if you can get him to sign you up because we're late you can race it. I said, all right. So I ran close to the booth, and they took my entry. We had like, a, I don't know, 45 minutes before the gate dropped. So your dad gave me a crash course on how to ride a, a four-stroke 200. And he says, he told me this is the clutch, this is the brake. <laughs> and he goes, when you take off, you know, hammer it, and when it stops moving, count to three and then shift. And then again... When it stops moving forward, count to three and then shift. He goes, you're going to rev this thing more than you would your two-stroke. I said, okay. I never rode it before. And after three restarts, which made me a little nervous because I was the biggest guy on the on the track. Didn't you whole shot all of them? No, but it was close. I whole shot the first one, and then they red flagged, they red flagged it three times. So the third time when it came around, I was in like second and made quick work out of the guy and then just drove away from him and that, that was pretty cool that was you know one of the most uh, amazing things just throw it together right now go hurry up get your boots on right you know it's kind of like not what you want to do when you're getting ready to go do a amateur national but it definitely turned out well <laughs> that was fun yeah that, that that was a highlight of of all of ours uh, winning that winning that it kind of put that kind of put things into perspective a little bit that we could compete yeah 
Yeah, because there were some there were some kids there that had some fast equipment. They just couldn't drive it into the turn. So you just got to get on them, and all you got to do is, you know, once you get to them and put some pressure on them, they would just fade out a little bit and turn inside of them. And then that bike had, you know, even though I was probably the heaviest guy on the on the track, it was just hold it on until it stops moving and then shift. <laughs> uh, Tim Askins had rode it in the pro class and, and rode it to six. Six, yeah. And and if and if he would have relaxed a little, he probably could have put it on the podium. He could have got third or fourth. He was he was close enough. Yeah. Yeah, because he was in the lead group. Mm-hmm. He was he he. You know, I, I don't. I didn't watch it enough because I had my own stuff going on. But I did. You know, I seen it going on. But yeah, he was. He was there. You know, some some of those guys. They they just whether it's the fuel or what they're running or, you know, just seem to be faster. Even even, you know, even though Sparks was there, Curtis Sparks, he's a big guy, mm-hmm. and he's walking away from all these little kids on a. You know, on a 200X. Right. And you're like, wow. You know, and I mean, I, I did it on a, with the amateur kids. That's a little different. But at the pro level, that was pretty spectacular because he's not a little guy. No. No. It never was. Um, he's, but he was, he was fairly thin for as tall as he yeah. was. Yeah. I thought was like six, three or four. I don't know, he's taller than I am. Yeah. By, you know, like you are too. I mean, I have yeah. to look up to both of you. So yeah. it's, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That was fun times. Oh, dude, I loved going to Portville. I remember my truck, my quad, or my bike in the back of the truck, going up there, and Dad wouldn't let me drive. <laughs> Some people don't like to be riders; they like to be drivers. Well, yeah. yeah. Fortunately, back then I couldn't argue. Now, now I can. But. Yeah. Now we we've been all over. We went to Washington. You know. Racing with you up there—that was all, all fun stuff. That that was uh, Washougal when we did that, wasn't it? Yep, we, we raced Washougal. Yeah, yeah. You started racing the work stuff after I had already stopped racing. Yeah, yeah. And then got Garen into it, you know, through the Barona thing, and then it just snowballed into more. And then Kyle—they're almost five years apart. So Kyle was a lot younger, so they kind of graduated, and then. Got Garen was started helping Kyle. Next thing you know, they're both racing works. And, you know. We were wondering if Kyle was ever going to start. Yeah, well, he's so young, and yeah, you know, he loved the dunes and loved the loved the desert. So he, he did very well at that works. He got like six amateur championships. And, and Garen did good at works. Got a handful of them. But three in a row was pretty badass. Yeah, that one. Yeah. That can never be done again. No. That was a lot of work. It was a lot of work to talk him into not overthinking it because, you know, doing three races like that and then, you know, the pro-am at the same time, you know, that, that was a lot of work on your end, too. Oh, d- 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 there, was, there was a group of people making sure that yeah. that happened. Yeah, because you run your first moto and then... You were in the second one. You did. You just did the B class, and you do the C class, or you know. And he was, yeah. Same with Kyle. You know, they ride multiple classes, and you know, Garrett had three bikes to ride. Kyle only had one. Right. And then it became Kyle had two, and <laughs> need a bigger trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. Honey, we need to bid those other two jobs. Yeah. Hi. 
Yeah. <laughs> Add a couple dollars in there. Yeah, we're we're, yeah. we're, we're hurting here. I, I enjoyed it all. I think the Works family was was uh, pretty good. We already knew most of them. You know, a lot of them with Doug right. Roll, and you know, we go on and on and on. You know, it seemed like you know Timmy Shelman and all those guys are just you know Al, Big Al, you know, all of them. Davey. Didn't you race against Doug Roll? Yeah, Doug and Mike. Yeah, many times. Down at District 38? District 38, we did that. And the Carlsbad races, that was District 38 also. Yeah. yeah. And Marty and... Didn't Marty and Mike Coe both race the the Carlsbad race, or was it just Marty? Marty did. Mike Coe rode the TT. Right, on the at, Suzuki. On the, on the, uh, on the uh, TT track there. Yeah. And, so, and Stevie Wright raced at Barona. We raced against him many times. Yeah. yeah. He was riding a quad and I was riding a three-wheeler. Did you meet him? Every time. <laughs> <laughs> but he was right there. I mean, he was beating on the door. He just couldn't get around me. And, you know, I thought for sure the quad was going to have better success. But I don't know what performance bike he had. My, th- right. my three-wheeler was like my race bike, but not, you know. Right. And I rode it a lot, so... He, he could he was there but he just couldn't get around me was it the Barona ATV track or did you race the motorcycle track down on the bottom well, there was the ATV track yeah yeah the ATV track that was that was a good track they had the TT course remember we used yep. to do both of them the same day you'd race a motocross two motos and then you'd go do two motos of TT yeah I loved that which That's was great. a lot of, a lot of work and, and a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of long day long day but we all had fun oh yeah it was great times it's you know Kim my wife used to go back then she's my girlfriend she went to every one of them yeah and I remember when Marty came out and was racing with us and oh, busted yeah. his collarbone busted his collarbone this is best before we all knew him yeah you know yeah yeah three weeks later we beat him in Gainesville nice yeah he came back three weeks after that or that might have been four with his collarbone he had, I don't know if he broke his collarbone or what he did but he was hurt yeah he was hurt yeah but we were all in awe that day. Oh yeah. You know. Yeah. You had all big eyes seeing a seeing a pro guy for the first oh, yeah. time. Oh yeah. Well, he passed me. Yeah, he was in the lead when he crashed, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. Right in front of me. Yeah. Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing what you know now, yeah. You know, I mean. Yeah, it's crazy. Exactly. So we used to just take a blue tarp and. Slam it in the in the in the window of the my truck. And put two poles out there to hold up for shade. <laughs> yeah, before we could buy an easy up, or before you even really could find them. Yeah, three would barely fit in my blazer. Yeah. Yeah, and then you bought that old Ford pickup, the blue Ford pickup. Yeah, and I bought that so we can go places. And we were able to get two three wheelers in that. Yeah, if it for that we couldn't. But yeah, I had that for a while. Oh. I remember when we went up to Washington and raced that race up there at Stradaline? Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And then years later, we go back and race a works race there. Exactly. Totally different. Didn't even feel the same. You're looking at it going, is this the same track? Well, when we went there the year before, where the grandstands were, they were in the same place, but all of the entry in the pits was on the opposite side of the grandstands. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it was, it was like going to a whole other place. Yeah, and they, yeah. the downhill over on the, the, Gary Denton made the picture, the cover of the, of the mm-hmm. uh, ATV News or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. You know, it was, wasn't there anymore. Yeah. They totally changed it. Yeah, I haven't seen that guy around either. 
Gary, have you interviewed him yet? Yeah, Gary, I interviewed him right around the time he went into the Hall of Fame. Oh, right on. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah he, he, got, he got into the Hall of Fame. When, when I was racing with Lauren and he was at one of the races, and I don't remember which one it was, it was in, it was in uh, Texas. I went over and I talked to him. And I go, you remember Randy Hess? And he's like, yeah, Randy and I used to race together all the time. And we talked for a couple minutes about Randy. And that's and him and Gary did and buddies. And then you start looking at the FMF catalogs and Randy's pictures all on there. And you start looking at the other thing. There's Gary Denton's picture. Like, holy cow, where these guys come from, you know? But yeah, that was that was a that was pretty cool to see Gary Denton, you know, winning all those championships and then asking about you know Randy Hess was kind of cool. I've known Randy since I was a, a youngster, and he was a good motocross racer too. There's so many people from this area, Southern California region. Oh yeah. That in the in the 70s and 80s and and probably early 90s that were just yeah the guys so used, dominant. To, used to go up and race up my mom's or practice up my mom's with Baderman A and and I uh, haven't heard that yeah, forever. Yeah, Mike. Uh, can't remember his last name. There was like four or five guys that would go up there every once in a while and ride religiously. Yeah. I'd go up there every once in a while just to see what was going on. Those guys, those guys put in their motos, you know, 30, 40 minute motos. Do two of them. They come back down to the truck, take some drinks, go back up, another 45 minute moto, load their stuff up, and go home. <laughs> 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 but you know, it was a great track. It was Carlsbad type track, you know, or even maybe even like Saddleback kind of. Yeah, you know, those were those were iconic tracks. You were never an athlete in high school. No, my athletic was racing. Because when I when when we quit racing motorcycles, I was at my pinnacle of 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 shape. You know, um, I could do a hundred sit-ups, you know, sixty sit-ups in a minute, you know, on and on and on. But we used to run around the track at my parents' house down below, around the hayfield, every day. You know, we were going up the hill, which... Yeah, I'm not going to do it. Back Sorry. and forth, back and forth. And, you know, my training was actually better than my brother's was at that time because my brother was starting to date and starting to do the hanging out at the driving thing, and I, I couldn't go. My mom wouldn't let me go. So I was training, I was riding, I was doing my thing, and that's how I got so much closer to them as far as performance-wise, getting close to being able to, you know, hang with the, with the Bobby and my brother and... You know, Ricky Johnson when Ricky was little, and, you know, wasn't too far off. You know, a second and a half of Carlsbad behind Ricky is not very far off. Right. You know, who knows what he might have missed a shift or who knows, but still, every time we go, you know, you're right there getting ready to turn pro and all that bottom fell out of that. So when I started, after it all got pulled out, you know, we stopped. So when I started, that everybody wanted me to play football because... Was, You're big, yeah, and I and I was in really good shape. So a lot of the a lot of the coaches and stuff tried to recruit me. I says, "No, I'm, I'm an individual sport kind of guy. I'm not a big team sport guy." And your brother kind of tried to help push that along, but it didn't work out. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah. were big, and you know they needed yeah. some help. Yeah, you know. I think the one that set it off was uh, it wasn't Coach Till. I can't remember the coach. They were doing the presidential thing where you had to run the mile and all that. And all of the all of the track quad people, track squad was out there doing the same thing at the same time I was, and I beat them all. 
in, you know, what am I, 14, 15 years old, but I didn't have my driver's license yet. And that's when the coach saw me and said, hey, you know, you need to come out for football and this and that. I'm like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Do you ever regret that at all? No, no, because we had plenty of things that my parents were doing. You know, we were going to the river, the desert. We, we didn't quit riding, we just quit racing. Right. You know, so we were going to the dunes and all that kind of took over it. And then, of course, you know, girlfriends and Donnie having a baby with, you know, Donnie Jr. And it just, you know, things evolved. But, you know, and we still do the same things. We just, you know, don't, I just don't race anymore. Well, when you, when Garen and, and Kyle both stopped racing, you guys rolled right back into the dunes mm-hmm. and right back into uh, the river. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we still go to the river a lot. The dunes, I don't think, as long as I can stand, I don't think I'll ever quit going there. Right. You know, it's just a, you know, it's just a free ride that you can make your own roller coaster ride. You know, and if you get a good group of people that are with you and you're riding and, you know, some are on bikes, quads, whatever, as long as you give them a good trail to, to follow on, it's 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 safe and it's a lot of fun. It's, it's hard to find a good leader the way you flow through the dunes, the dunes. Not everybody sees that same line that you do. Yeah, I got a different vision on it. I've been doing it so long, I think I, I just, I can kind of read the dunes. We, we, when we do our fast rides, which some of them are very fast, I go to the same dunes that I know. Right. So when we go high up on a dune, I can look over the side and see if there's anybody else out there. Most people don't even realize that's what I'm doing. Right. So I can keep everybody from, you know, being somewhat safe. And then you're in that same dune, you know, and you can you can kind of tell nobody's out there. But, yeah, that's that's the funnest part for me is... is We're so focused on following that line and trying to get into that second spot yeah. that we don't even realize that the actual dune portion that you're riding in is not very big right we're covering a lot of the similar areas yeah it's like a like a bunch of turn well most people don't like to turn that much but on a bike in the dunes turning is everything right you know and uh you know if you want to be a jumper you can but the hazard of jumping in the dunes is you know burying the front tire when you land right that's why you don't see me jump very much (laughs) no i i've just never seen you I think I've only seen you go over the bars on the motorcycle twice. Yeah. And I think it was in this twice in the same weekend. Probably true. Yeah. It happens. You cut a witch's eye on that 500 one time, and the front end just sank yeah. and threw you over the bars. Yeah. Um, it was me, Alan, and Brian. Um, oh, that was in that big hole. Yeah. You just yeah. cut that. You just cut it. You yeah. were just cutting just so close to it, and the front end just sank right yeah, All the way to the flipping fender. Yeah. Yeah. Right over the bar. That, one, that one hurt a little bit. Well, yeah, you were a little dingy after Yeah. And then Brian tried to start it and fell over. Fell over and tumbled all over the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was still a kid then. Oh, yeah. 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 It's hard to hardly believe he's in his 40s now. I know. He comes by quite a bit. Yeah. Right across the street. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Garen's got a house now with yeah. three babies. Yeah. Yeah. That's even harder to believe. It is harder to believe, even for his mama. I mean, it's a, it's, it seems like it happened so fast. Well, you know, not to take light off of what we're talking about with you, Garen and I are sitting down having a conversation about what we're going to do. What plan is there? What, what, what's going to happen? You know, what's going, what's the upcoming year going to be? And, you know, him and I worked out 
two different proposals, riding a Honda, riding a Yamaha. What are we going to do if we got to develop Yamaha? You know, this is what it's going to take. And and I said, Garen, you're the one that's going to have to go to your dad and you're going to have to work out the proposal and come back to me. And then we just develop it and we go, you know, whatever we go, whether we ride Honda or whether we ride Yamaha, okay. you have to decide. And, um, you know, we had a date set when we would get back together and, and he didn't he didn't respond and I was like Garen we gotta figure this out and uh, he just calls me on the phone and he goes yeah I'm done I'm gonna retire <laughs> like what <laughs> yeah I think it's time yeah and I went okay great that's yeah. what you really wanna do I don't even think he told you yet no we had started doing anything for the next season but I mean we had bikes available right you know we had we had enough to, to get started I don't think you could have gone through another season with the with the with the decade of bikes that we had they were well used there was a couple good ones but I mean you do five works races on a high a highly ridden quad with a, with a pro on it after five main events or whatever you want to call them that thing's it's done you gotta you gotta turn into a problem I mean y- your engine rebuilds turned into every three race because the, the, the transmissions couldn't take it and and they, they were building the courses to abuse them not they weren't intending for them to be abused yeah but they were abusing them yeah but some of the rock terrains and going over K rails I never I never liked that I got on Timmy many times why are you doing that you're just ruining everybody's shit literally <laughs> Certain obstacles were okay, but others, it's like I never wanted them to make mud holes. Yeah. I never wanted them to do that because it was always the sand would always get in and just eat, it just aged the bike yeah. out of it, out of it, right? We there. have enough mud races. They don't need to make mud races. Right, right. <laughs> and they made many mud races. Uh, yeah, they water them so much. Yeah. And, you know, I, I miss the Carlsbad Saddleback. South Bay Speedway, you know, those ones that we did when we were younger. Yep. You know, Carlsbad, I, I, ra- I, I rode Carlsbad the last day it was open on my CR500. Oh, really? Yeah, McGrath was there, Brian Hughes, a bunch of guys that I knew, you know, that I went with that I knew, but a bunch of guys I hadn't seen in a long time. And that, you know. You knew most of all of those guys, though, too, didn't you? Somewhat. But those guys were younger than I was. Right. You know, McGrath and all them. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was sad to see it go, you know. But, you know, Saddleback, I understand, still there, but, you know, I've, I've never looked at it. Is it still a racetrack? I heard it is, but I don't know. Who goes there? I've no, never I've never heard of them even having yeah. an event. Yeah. But, yeah, some of those big iconic tracks, you know, Four Corners and all those. Yeah, gone. <laughs> yeah. Carlsbad, you talked about Carlsbad now with, with the youth of our industry, and they don't have a clue what it no. is. No. And ABC Sports won't ever play that that supermoto race remember that mm-hmm. that was so cool you yeah. know yeah the bikes on the drag strip then they go into the dirt which we raced that similar so, course yeah that was the long course at carlsbad yep yep i rode that many times on the quads and and the bikes they didn't really do the bikes on my side when i was racing there cmc in them mm-hmm. but the carlsbad they there was only tank two, slappers did it yeah there was only two or three different uh ways to, to configure Carlsbad right you know there was two big downhills one you could bypass it or you could go up it and there was only a couple three different possibilities of Carlsbad 
you know, I've had this conversation with some modern day motocross guys, and they none of them believe me. But do you remember going to Carlsbad with no grooming? There was no grooming between motos. They turned the sprinklers on in the morning, watered the track. You went out and practiced, and what it was was what it was. They watered it all night. Yeah. Then oh. you went out and practiced. <laughs> <laughs> and there was no more water after that. They, right. They, very, they never really groomed anything. No. They, and you could groom out in front of your starting position or whatever, but that was it. Yeah, they had water on the start, mm-hmm. and that was the mm-hmm. only place they ever got water. Yeah. Yeah. And by the end of the day, it was a flipping hard as a rock. And, yep. Yeah. Slick. Yep. And then all the bumps were in a different place. Yeah. You couldn't go race that place. You couldn't go race there and have the same pothole or the same gotcha hole in the same place right. ever. Yeah, because they rip it every time. That's well, they I, never even did that. They just water it and it freaking yeah, formed differently. They ripped them a bu- ripped it a bunch of times, but. By the time you did practice in the motos, it was hammered. <laughs> I just remember that you know, nowadays you go to a you go to a motocross race and they prep the track in between motos. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, guys, wait a minute, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, think about when Ricky was racing 45 minutes, two 45 minute motos in yeah. a day. Yeah, yeah. That was when that's when they were men. You know, Roger DeCosta on those old piece of shit Suzuki. Yep. You know, and all those guys riding those bikes you know so, and, um, I got some really good vintage pictures of DeCoster and a couple other guys that my 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 mom and Kim have found that are that are signed pretty spectacular to see them but yeah it's you look at their bikes and their handlebars are like this wide they're chrome you know <laughs> <laughs> their cables are all flipping all over the place you know front front drum brakes yeah yeah, I remember when I was a kid, when I was just breaking into racing, Roger DeCosta was the guy. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and now look at He's worked for Honda, KTM. Yep. Still a KTM, isn't he? Yep. He brought Dungey back so that they could fix the bike. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we had this conversation a couple weeks ago. We did. Yeah. 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 I mean, some of the things that, that we've seen in our lifetime... The, the young people in the ATV world, even the young people in the motorcycle world, don't even understand the heritage of where it comes from. Oh, yeah, unless you've been around like your dad and, you know, you guys, Lauren, and, you know, and you even look like the guys from R&D. I don't remember their names, but the, the company's still there. And, you know, those guys used to roll in in a, in a flipping minivan and, you know, do their thing with, they were helping Bobby Sullivan and a couple other people, and you'd see other guys that had their little support teams, and, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty, pretty amazing, you know, Mike Tripes raced Carlsbad and won all three pro motos in one day, I'll never forget it. Three, I don't remember that one. Yeah, two motos for the two, for the 125, two motos for the 250, and two motos for the 500. And won all of them in the pro class. Oh. <laughs> On a Suzuki. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, that, that, to me, was... That's six hours of riding. On a, on a beat-to-shit course. <laughs> on a motorcycle that had, what, six inches of travel? Uh, yeah. Maybe a little more? Yeah, give it seven. <laughs> you know? Wow. And you watch that, and I watched it, you know, because my brother was in it, and, you know, they were all in it. Right. He was, obviously, they weren't in the 500 class, but he did them all. Everyone. So. And won them all. I didn't know Suzuki had a 500. 
What was it, 370 or whatever that was? Yeah. Yeah. Easier to open by. It was easier to ride Probably than the 500s. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. That, that, was, that was a big day for, you know, people that knew him, you know. That's like, wow. Yeah, that's when men were men, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, and they were 45 minutes, right? Yeah, that was part of the Golden State Series, which was CMC. I remember we went to Carlsbad, and I'm pretty positive you were there. Um when Ricky was racing for Yamaha. Yeah. And in both motos, he's leading. And like at the same time mark, the shot blew both times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was at a lot of those when, when they started, when they put the first water-cooled head on the Yamaha and Ricky was racing it. And that was like space age technology. <laughs> and, you know, I don't even know how they pumped water to it to the radiator. I have no idea how it even worked, but that you can just tell because the head on it was right. Totally different. Totally different. And that's that's one of the one of the things that they did. And I don't remember who was mechanic and who he was working for then from Yamaha, but that was something that, you know, Bernie Burnworth and, and all those guys were, were doing it with Scott and Ricky and you know, it was, it was right. amazing. To see it, you look at like, are you guys cheating? <laughs> <laughs> sure, somebody was. <laughs> I don't even think they really cared back then. You know, it's not how fast your bike is at Carlsbad; it's how long you can hang on to it. Right. You know, you can have a rocket ship, but you're not going to hang on to it unless nope. you're just, you know, Danny Magoo Chandler. You know that that guy was unbelievable to watch. You ever watched him ride? Very, very little. Very oh. little. Heard a lot of good stories. Well, he won the USGP at Carlsbad. Right. And when he came down the downhill, we were he, there. he landed in the berm at the bottom. And it's like, and he did it every night. And we won. It's like, that guy. And then they, just, they show him doing the, the jumps out there down at uh, Otai. Right. Jumping higher than the helicopter. And when he landed, all the spokes blew out of both wheels. Oh! <laughs> that guy was a nut. But man, when you watch him when he's on his game, that guy was a, an animal. So many of those guys came from an era at, at this time when you had to be tough. Oh, they were tough. Yeah. You, you go back and look at the Johnny O'Mara and the, you know, the Ricky Johnsons and probably even Scott Burnworth and the guys that started getting factory rides, that the training that they got and the help that they got, there's no way the average guy that was racing close to them at the level we were, and then once they got that training and that bike and everything, they just stepped out another 8, 10, 15 seconds on it. It's just just instantly. Ricky said that it was pretty phenomenal being with Yamaha and the things that they did. And then when he goes to Honda, if you look, listen to his episode, he talks about you know, they, they roll his new bike out, you know, where when he, when they rolled out the Yamaha, you had to put it together, you know, <laughs> where they roll out this Honda and then they lay all these, all these new parts out that you're going to test, you know, three pipes and a different cylinder yeah. and different shocks and forks. And then, yeah. and he's just scratching his head like, wow, I just hit the lottery, you know, yeah. back before you knew what a lottery was. Yeah. And that's all good training for him because you're on three or four different types of things and you find things you like or don't like. Right. I can remember your brother telling me going out shock testing, but you'll wear a bike out just shock testing. You right. got a bitchin' quad sitting there that's race ready and when you're done testing shocks, it gets completely rebuilt. Yeah, because you <laughs> it's just so many hours. It's junk. Yeah. 
Well, you think about it, th- a lot of people don't realize this. The Baja 1000 is roughly 22 to 25 hours. Okay, when you're done with that 22 to 25 hours, that machine is toast. Yeah. It's done. You need to go to the frame, start over. Yeah. And, and people don't realize that. Yeah. yeah. The heat that goes through the shocks, the damage to the engine, because, you know, we're not going to put a filter on when we're supposed to. Not like when we tell customers to take care of the wreck mic. No, we're going to run that filter till it, it, it damn near so full of dirt yeah. that it, it won't, won't run anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it won't even run. And it already sucked dirt, so the motor's wounded. But we put a clean filter on it and dump some more gas in it and say, go. Yeah. 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 Don't shut off. Yeah. (laughs) Don't let it die. That's like my injected 450 now. It's 106 hours on it or something. I bought it with 12. Right. You know, it's time for a... You know, it still runs good. It still starts. But you know that... I know not everybody knows and not everybody agrees with, with how it works you know they're, they're single cylinder indie cars yeah you know yeah. high lift cam from the factory the, the, the tolerances the way the motors work they're just they're incredible and they're they're, they're revving higher than what a Banshee does yeah and, and it's not like I'm wringing it's neck every single time I get on it you know most of my rides you know in the dunes and stuff you know sometimes you hit three quarter throttle most of them are just half throttle have you ever hit the rev limiter very rarely <laughs> well, you were always easy on equipment anyway. Yeah. So. so it's just, you know, it's, it's amazing to see what a high-performance bike does and how long it lasts compared to a high-performance bike that's, you know, from the from out of the box, how badass it is, but yet it's nothing compared to the the performance that you could put into it. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's... 20% difference. You could make that bike unrideable in a heartbeat. Yeah, exactly. And that's what a lot of people do. They get a bike that's unrideable and they can't ride it. Well, Ricky basically said that he deals with a lot of younger riders. And he says, well, you take this thing off the showroom floor and they want to go instantly do all the suspension work and do this and do that. He says, no, adjust your bars and shut up and go ride it. Yeah. He says, I'm slow and I'm faster than you. And... If I could still go that fast, you just need to ride it. Yeah. Because it, it, it's it's so good from the factory. Yeah. I do that with our people in our group sometimes. They bring their kids out to, to ride, whether it's a quad or a three-wheeler or even a motorcycle. They're trying to show them how to ride in this, and they come over and ask me. I says, I'll, I'll help teach your kid how to ride. Okay, good. So I talk to them and say this, that, and the other. And I take them completely away from the parents. Two right. 250 yards away. Right. I carry a tire with me. They look at me like, what are you doing? Teach the kid how to turn around a tire. Teach him how to turn around a bush. Teach him how to stop. First thing you got to do is learn how to stop. The first thing they teach your kid how to do is go fast. Right. <laughs> That's the last thing you teach your kid how to do. Right. Take them out there 20, 30 minutes later. When they come back to camp, they don't run into the side of the motorhome. They stop. Right, <laughs> and it doesn't. Motor doesn't die. Yeah, I'm yeah. done. Have fun. Exactly. <laughs> I, I think that I think that so many people have lost sight of what it is to train a racer per se. So if you're gonna, if your child's gonna race, and what the things that you need to teach, you brought Garen out on a, a TRX 450R with stock shocks stock a-arms stock axle yeah we changed the tires on the thing and i believe we might have changed the handlebars i think we did um and he raced that for the first whole season that he raced yeah 
his first real race on that was Pismo. Really? Mm-hmm. I thought it was up there at the uh, compound where Kawasaki shot the photos. You know, when Eichner rode the Polaris. That was his first real works race, as far as as far as what he got the suspension and everything. Did he have? He didn't have suspension yeah. in that race, did he? Yeah, he had the, he had the uh, wide A arms and the and the rear end and the radio. Okay. Yeah. When they raced up there at. at uh, you had him race some works races though with no suspension. Yeah. Oh yeah. For yeah. a while. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Pismo was the one that sticks out the most because he just had it was his first real works race as whatever I think he was a B rider right and he might have been a C rider and he went out there on that works in the, in the dunes and just completely destroyed all of them and then they protested him and Sean looked at it and looked at his lap times and said you guys just shut up he's a sand rider go ride in the dunes <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I mean he's a dune rider and he just loved it and yeah I know because I raced the, that Pismo race that was before we went there on the works there was a uh, special dune ride race out there I mean a, a, a real race and I got to go before we raced a works race at Pismo wow and I missed beating the pro the pro team I rode solo but I missed beating the pro team by freaking less than a minute <laughs> Yeah, those are those are fun times. Pismo, I never really got to walk around it or see it. Right. Know, but Garen loved it. You know, he wants to go back, but I don't know if I'll ever go back to Pismo when we got what we have in our backyard. You know? I'm not a fan. Yeah. You know, you got to cross that one water section area to get in, and yeah. if you get stuck, you're there. And a lot of people get stuck. Yeah, it's just not. You know. You, you, I wouldn't take that motorhome you have in there. I wouldn't take my motorhome. Yeah, there. yeah. You know, would I have a campground and go park somewhere and and yeah. and truck them in and out? Probably, but yeah. not, not like that. Yeah, those are good times. Yeah, it was great times. You know, the, the kids, you know, have all their trophies and all their stuff, and it's all kind of put away now. They got a couple things out, you know, but as far as you know, decorating the, their walls and their and their bedrooms and stuff, they're kind of over that. Right, they still like going to the. Well, they have kids now. They both do, yeah. You know, and we got side by sides too. You know, we got a four seater Talon, and and uh, Kyle's got a two seater Talon. So there's no reason for them to go out there and and uh, jump on a quad. And, yeah, that's kind of why we're liquidating them. It's almost a different mentality than we grew up with, where you know they say with age comes a cage. I've never believed that. Yeah. Yeah, I I, the only time I like driving the side-by-side is when it's high noon and you can't really read the dunes very good, and that's when everybody's out there. Right. I get in the car, you know, throw in some waters, a couple beers, and go out and have a couple stops and shoot the shit, come back, and then when everybody's at the drags, that's when you go on your, you know, your good rides with the bike and, and nobody's out there. Right. But, you know. Well, when you're out in the side-by-side, you have to turn your buddies over, then turn them upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't wreck it. No matter what you do, don't wreck it. Uh, you didn't give me that instruction before I went out there with you. Oh, that was fun, too. Oh, it was, it was a blast. Thank God the car didn't get hurt. Thank yeah. God Larry didn't get hurt. Yeah. It was, it was great. I don't see you driving that one again, though. Uh, he said I could take it anytime I want, and I'm just leery. 
And my wife, a lover to death, said, I don't think that you should be borrowing that car anymore until <laughs> you can buy your own. <laughs> well, you got to use them to find out if you want to buy one. Um, I like that Yamaha. That was a driver's car. That is full-on driver's car. Yeah. If it had been my car, I think Lauren would have been upside down that, that weekend. Because he got a little froggy, and, and he knew that I wouldn't wreck Randy's car. But if it was been if it would have been mine, we'd have brought it home on a wrecker. Because I'd have wrecked him for sure. That's just brotherly love, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and him always thinking he's fra- a little... He still thinks he's faster, but it's okay. Yeah. He's allowed to think that. He can. Um, District 38, going from the three-wheeler to the four-wheeler. Yeah. How big of a transition was that for you? Um, it was easier. It's like, like it's like they say, it's a couch, right? Um, better technology though, because it had better suspension than the three wheeler. Yeah, better suspension. I think the I think the three wheeler was way more dangerous, even though I had a lot of success on it. Once I stopped riding the three wheeler and got on the quad and then tried to get back on the three wheeler, <laughs> holy cow! Yeah, I don't know how I went that fast, you know? <laughs> but the quad was. Uh, Definitely, even at Carlsbad or, or anywhere was it was like riding a motorcycle for me. Right, it really was. You could you could you know I, I didn't have all the high tech suspension that everybody did. I pretty much rode stock suspension for most of it and a stock motor for the first you know half of it. But once Lauren put some performance into it and we made a few changes, it was uh, it was unstoppable as far as. You know, District 38 or Carlsbad. Or, and, and you rode in the desert when there were no tire inserts, when they were running stock tires, basically. Yeah. You know, and stock tires, you could pop them with your pushing on with your finger. Yeah. My thing was, is I, we could pre-run them. You can't pre-run anymore. Then I don't think I would do it if I couldn't pre-run. But I had two sets of tires, one that was for race only and one that was for pre-running. And I actually got a whole set of them from Stevie Wright when Stevie Wright quit racing with Honda. And I got a brand new set of Otsus with the wheels and everything from them. And I used those as my race. And I did the other ones with practice. And when I went down there, I would go pre-run. And I would pre-run it and find out where the the uh, the, ch- the first check was. And I would pre-run that run back and forth. And then I pre-run the course. And uh, it, to me, I already knew where I was going. You know, I, I, t- for check one, I totally knew where I was going, but all the rest of it, I already been around it, you know, a couple times, and that was it was it was great for me. Then I'd come back, put the tire back on it, go to a hotel hotel room, sleep, come back the next morning, first first race off, and had a ball. And there were tons of racers down there back then. Expert wise, we probably had 18, 15 to twenty two, depending on what was going on but it was always a pretty good line you know but you had some studs back then that raced with you Cliff Matlock and yeah. Doug Roll and Mike Roll and yeah Greg Rowe the Ingens Dusty yeah, and, Burwells yeah, and Dean Zundahl yep yeah there was a lot of a lot of people and a lot of them we already knew from East County but yeah it was a the only reason why I went and did District 38 was because uh Carlos Avina was taking pictures down there and I wasn't racing anymore. He said, come down and race District 38. Nah. And finally talked me into it. Yeah, it was, a, it was pretty spectacular. My very first race, I pre-ran it to the start, to the, to the first check, back and forth, back and forth. 
I made it to the first check 45 minutes, 45 seconds ahead of second place. <laughs> I found a cliff I could jump off of, and it took me right to it. Everybody else was going around it. And I pre-ran that like five times, and I finally, on my very last time, I did it, and I jumped it. I said, that's my line right there. And when I came around the very first check, Carlos was standing there with the camera going, where's everybody else at? <laughs> That was my very first desert race. I'm like, all right. I can do this. Yeah, we'll give it a try. And yeah. and that you raced one full season? I did two races before that and one team race with another guy. And then I did one full season, which was the FRT race, the, the Fud Pucker Racing Team. Right. Which was the pros race and did the District 38. And they were two separate events, but kind of combined you didn't do you did them at different times but yeah so we got first place at the pro one and first place so you won the championship and were rookie of the year all at the same time for both classes right yeah <laughs> mike mike roll got co-racer of the year i got racer of the year and rookie of the year and and the fud pucker uh racing team championship and they gave mike the co-racer of the year with me Fud, Fud like the Roll Brothers right yeah which I didn't have any problem with that right you know Greg, wasn't Greg Rowe down there racing it oh yeah Greg time? Rowe and Dusty and all of them the problem that Mike Roll had is he's riding the cows on right they were doing everything in their power to make that thing a race this thing was a piece of junk I, I felt bad for him right you know but we were all friends if he'd have rode a Honda he probably would have won well he was always right there and then you'd see him broke you know <laughs> every time you're like yeah, I can remember getting to the end of the end of the deal and asking Fudd, you know, how's this how's this championship thing working as well? If you keep doing what you're doing, you'll be the champion. I go, well, I need to know, you know, because if I have a problem or something, and he goes, right now you're throwing away first place points because you're you're already maxed <laughs> out. So if you break, you're throwing out three hundred. You know, you're throwing away first place points. It's <laughs> <said>, okay. <laughs> well, that's a good thing to know, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> But it was it was good. It's, it's desert racers and motocross racers are two different worlds, and right. the, the guys that only ride desert can be good. And and but if you get a good motocross rider that can ride and go to the desert and pre-run, they don't stand a chance. In my opinion. Well, a lot of former motocross guys transition to the desert or off-road and usually have success so they have a whole second career yeah or and they might not even be a champion coming from the motocross era into that environment they might be uh you know a mid-pack guy mm -hmm. and then when they come to the off-road or the desert they become the fast guy yeah yeah there was a lot of guys that, were, that switched over like robbie nolan you know, Robbie Nolan was my teammate when we did team races down at District right. 38. You know, and then some, some of them were at night. We did races at night, which was super cool. You know, but, um, you know, we did the 24-hour race down there. Yes, we did. And, you know, uh, we won the 24-hour race and beat all the motorcycles and everything the first time. Right. Which was... And if we wouldn't have changed that swing our pivot nut, or that shock nut, bolt, that, we would have won again. Yeah, and that was uh, unheard of, you know. How do you beat all the motorcycles? And they had a big turnout on that one. That was per, that was pretty spectacular. It didn't get a whole lot of press, but that was pretty cool. Riding, 
you know, on the day I did 380 miles that night, that day, night. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it was fun. What was your, the total was 1,100, 1,100? 1,180 or something? Yeah. 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 You, Mike Douthit, and... Karen wrote it, and Rob Nemulo wrote one lap. Karen wrote one lap. And then there was another one. I can't remember his name. He was he was pretty good, but yeah, we we pulled the we pulled Karen and and uh, Rob Rob off because I told me if you guys want to win this, too we much we got to have more speed. And they had you guys had some who I don't even know who was riding with you guys on that one. I don't think you guys did the first one. No, we didn't do the first one. Yeah, so we we did good on that one. The bike was flawless. They had no issues, no flaps, no nothing. Yeah, it's, you, you races like that are so rare, especially at a big event like that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, twenty-four hours is a long time. Yeah, we've raced it quite a few times. I remember we raced it on that Kawasaki Seven Hundred. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that part of the course gets beat up if it doesn't rain and flash flood a couple times. That that part of the course because they've got to run the same course. Plus or minus. The problem was is they didn't have it exactly marked out. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, the team that you guys beat was loaded. And the second year that we won it, the team was loaded. It was mm-hmm. one against us. Yeah. I mean, loaded, loaded. Yeah. And they, I believe they broke. Yeah. That's usually what happens in a desert race for the most part. You crash or break if you don't finish. That's the hard part. Yeah, well, we got it down to a science now. You know, we can bring, we can roll a machine out there that's really super durable. Yeah. You get the guys; they don't have to be riding over their head all the time. Yeah, that's that's the key of any race. Is you know, most of the races that I've done in my life that that I've won, is I just felt like I was riding. You know, like the Carlsbad Grand Prix, I never went out there and wrung its neck. I just went and rode. And, you know, hopefully I got a great start, passed a couple guys. Next thing I know, I didn't see anybody, and I just rode the whole race. Right. You know, and, and, you know, there's some stacked fields there, too, you know. And it's just it's just one of those things. I love this place. I'm, I'm comfortable with it. You know, I'm on a, a bike with stock suspension, and all these guys got all these A-arms and all this crap. And it's like, it's not doing you guys any good. Right. Yeah. And, you know. But we had, you had some legendary wins there. Yeah. Carlsbad was very good for, for me. I think you won it seven or eight times, didn't you? The the uh, TT track. The GP. The, the GP, GP track we did, yeah, a bunch of times. And then they had the TT track there. Yep. That was on a three-wheeler. Right. Not like 11 times in a row. Wow. Yeah. That was a, that was a good time, too. That was actually a pro race. Right. Yeah. That was, a, that was a good TT track that had some... Pretty good jumps. <laughs> yeah, that coming out of that sweeper turn. Yeah, that was awesome because you didn't never, never let off. Never let off. And you're going about 80, 90 feet. Oh, yeah, you would launch it. Yeah, out that's the jump that Cove seized on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Back yeah. when I didn't under, totally understand what was going on, you know, but he was pissed. <laughs> Threw him on the ground. <laughs> you know, there there was some tempers, wrenches and tempers flying. Yeah. Down. Yeah, I raced against him a few times and. He never had very good luck, but he was pretty much at the end of his career, I think. Yeah, right after the Suzuki thing went away, he went away. And, yeah. Um, yeah. He won some Golden State stuff where he made some money. Yeah. I don't know what Honda paid him. 
he never has alluded to what it was, neither nor did Marty. Um, well, they got paid well, but he said that the riding the Suzuki in the in the Golden State Series was very lucrative. Yeah, because you it was a single moto, and to, to win that moto paid more than the pro bikes. Wow, interesting. Yeah, he said freaking he loved it because he'd go race his one moto. And yeah. Make a freaking check and freaking, yeah, good. Yeah. Well, that was one thing with the Carlsbad. It was so close, you know. It wasn't it wasn't much of a drive to go. No. Same thing with Barona. You know, whether you were doing the motocross track or the or the, the ATV track, it mm-hmm. was in our backyard. Right. You know, and if you had to go to any track that was any distance, you know, it was it was usually a bigger event. But we had we had a lot of good stuff. Even back in the motorcycle days, there was a lot of places to ride. There were so many big events here locally. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't remember. I remember some of the biggest races that we ever went to locally. I mean, were at Carlsbad or Barona. Yeah. And they were huge events. Yeah. Well, the 50th for Barona was pretty spectacular. I thought that was very well done. The reunion? Yeah. Yep. And and some of the people didn't even make it that should have probably been there. Oh, I, yeah. Your dad should have been there. Dad? My dad was? Well, I mean, he should have got up and talked is what I mean. Uh, yeah, he just... He should have. I should have drug him up there, or I should have brought the microphone to him. I didn't. I kind of kicked myself in the butt for that. Um, I think that uh, they were having a good time, and uh, the people that were there were the people that were there. Yeah. It was just, you know, you get to see all the the old dads, you know, that were, you know, totally into it, and presidents and secretaries and all that stuff. You know, Bernie Burnworth was, you know, got to talk to him, but he's, he's not doing all that well. Yeah, you see all those guys, you know, Mr. Walker. Well, the fact Daryl's doing really good. Yeah, you know, see all those guys that we used to watch them, you know. To me, Daryl looks the same Daryl. Yeah, drink beer and roll around down in the creek. (laughs) (laughs) And they did not deny it either. (laughs) No, no, not at all. I think my dad might have rolled around down in that creek a couple times. (laughs) I'm fortunate my dad wasn't really much of a beer drinker. No. He was working on too many too many XRs at the yeah. time, you know. Yeah, that that, that track. Luckily, it's on Indian land, mm-hmm. and they've tried to shut them down because of the noise from Ramona, but it hasn't happened yet. So hopefully, they'll keep that alive for you know generations to come. Because and once that's gone, then what? <laughs> a lot of history's gone, and a lot of uh, you know what do you what are we teaching the youth? You know, back when we grew up, we got to to ride motorcycles and we got to experience another form of life that so many kids today don't have the opportunity. Their parents are afraid to let them walk down the street without a mask on. You know, yeah. like, come on, really? Yeah, that's where it's going right now, for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, I always believed, you know, if you hand the kid a handful of dirt, let him eat it, you know, he's going to build some <laughs> immunity. I mean, very true. I was never I was never worried about Danny Ray doing the things that, that I did. Maybe I would have done things a little differently with him had I known he was gonna crash. A lot. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sorry Danny, love you. Uh, well, you know, all our kids you know, crashed, Kyle did and, you know. I don't think any of them would change anything. I, I think I think the, the life lessons you get from being in the pits and around all that all those people, you know, especially when the side-by-side started coming in mm-hmm. and you had that much larger crowd just because they take up more room, you know, it right. just seemed like you're in a bigger, bigger okay. place, you know, and, and uh, to see all the people and, you know, everybody out there cheering and, 
I, I don't I think that's priceless for the kids yes you know I, I, I had it you know doing it what I did at a different level but you know for, for the kids and I mean, even for Danny Ray and you know all of them even the, the girls that were racing out there with yep. us and stuff that was you know I think f- for me the, the the biggest thing I have is trying to, to help them get better not only my kids your kids or even everybody you know, all some of the other people out there even even you know our competition sometimes that's one thing I liked about works racing compared to the nationals and stuff is they'll help you it's like desert racing they'll help you beat you beat right. them right. they'll give you the they'll give you the the, the the tires, whatever you need to go race, and you can you can beat them, and they're they're happy for you. You go to a national, and you need a spark plug cap. You might they might not give you one because. Well, you say that I just came back this year from uh, Briarcliff in Ohio. Uh, first time I've been back to the motorcycle nationals since the late '90s. Uh, I think I went once in the in the in the 2000s in the beginning. Well, actually, I take that back. I was working with Travis Kane in 2007, and uh, right before he retired, 2006. So, um, but when when I went back there, it is a huge family. Those people care about one another. They're talking to one another. Uh, the pros are are naturally a little standoffish with each other on race day right but on friday on practice day you see them talking to each other and yeah. mingling a little bit you know i mean maybe joel and chad don't chum up very much but they have a huge rivalry going and and it's uh, one of those epic rivalries that will go down in history so uh, but all the other guys you know Super, super nice to one another. Yeah. Uh, this guy needs that. This guy needs that, and they're they're out there helping each other. Yeah. Know? That's what I liked about the work series, and you know, even the even the local races and stuff is, you know, everybody. You don't see very many fights. You don't see right. very many. You know, every once in a while, people get tempers flying. I've done it, and it's uh, it's it's good to see. You know, you got excited a couple times. Really? Yeah. A couple times. I don't think I've ever seen you excited. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Not to where I want to go beat somebody up, just don't want to go beat them on the next moto. Right. You know, and then show them the same fender they showed me, you know, it's so tired. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> it don't happen very often. Usually when it happens, it's usually on the start or something, and somebody right. does something stupid, you know. You know, you got to get through the first turn before you can win the race. And, right. You know, somebody T-boned you. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of that, my very first race at Barona on my Tri-Z, when I saw your brother there, gate drops, whole shot, spin out in the first turn. Yep. Did you, did you, did you win the race and spin the, out three times? Won the moto. Yeah, you spun out like three times? Yeah. Second, second moto, so they're lined up, whole shot, spin out in the first turn, <laughs> and won the race. Yeah. I think that I think that was that Monday or Tuesday you came to the shop, and they cut the stops on the on the steering, steering yeah. so that it would turn, turn more. Yeah, yeah. And I think they put an axle in the thing too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, tires and from then on it was down all uphill from there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think what what were yeah. you thinking? You know what's even funnier is I, I, I think about that bike because we use that bike up pretty much. Tim Funk which is a guy that I know him from work, Ray Spa, and they wanted that Tri-Z because it had a six-speed in it. 
and their 250 motorcycle was only a five speed. So they took the Tri Z, took it apart, put that tranny in a YZ, and raced Baja with it. <laughs> How'd they do? I don't know. Not very good, but you know, broken leg and all that stuff. But. And Tim was one hell of a rider Tim himself. Tim was a very good rider, especially at District 38. He was. He won a championship down there. Yep. He won a championship with one of Lauren's 500 motors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Steve Walker, Craig Ivelli. Yeah. I mean, we could go on and on and on because he built some 500s there. Oh, yeah. rocked. Well, my 500 was badass. Yeah. And it still is sitting in Jimmy's garage. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go steal it back. I don't know if you'd be able to pry it out of his, out of his hand, you know. He put, loves that. I'll have him put it in his will to me. Yeah, he loves that bike, you know. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, he polishes on it and and has cleaned it up and made it look really. Everybody awesome. that's ever rode that, which there's a handful of guys that can ride, like Josh Rowe rode it a few times, right? And fell in love with that CR500. Um, you know, me of course, and then there's a couple of the guys that just rode it around. But Josh, because he was lighter, but the suspension, all my bike the suspension, on all my bikes is soft. I like to ride a soft bike, right? So when he got on it, he was expected to be stiffer than. Right, and it was right, and he just had a ball on that thing. Well, with my shoulder injury, that's the only bike that I rode. That's the only in the last ten years. That's the only machine that I've ridden in the dunes. Ridden in the dunes. Yeah, I haven't ridden a quad or any other motorcycles in the dunes. I had you know CRFs, and I never rode any of those in the dunes. I only rode that CR five hundred. Yeah, yeah, it handled good. It was a good bike. Oh, I think you had to start it for me a couple times. Well. Like everybody else. Brian Rad had to start it for me a bunch of times because when I came back from New Mexico with that Guillaume Beret, I couldn't walk. Right. And I wanted to ride. So he started it, and I rode off, and then I'd come around a turn, I'd fall over. I, I just sat there because I couldn't pick it up. And Brian would come ride around, pick it up, start it for me, and get up, and I'd take it off and go ride. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that goes back a ways. Yeah, that was funny. He, he used to laugh about that. He still laughs about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the... the the years and years of dune rides and racing and all the places that we've been all over the all over the western United States, you know. Yeah. Just you and I and, and our families together. Yeah. You know, not counting where you've been with Lauren and, and some of the other group. Yeah, Garen went to Daytona. Yeah, Garen and I went to Daytona. Yeah. That was an experience. Yeah. Uh, when he crashed, my phone went started ringing. And I'm like, I don't have an answer, and I don't know if I should answer this. <laughs> oh, boy. Kim is already hot under the collar. Oh, yeah. Um, we were actually with snow skiing at the time. Right. In Mammoth. Right. Sitting, watching the race on the t- t- TV. I don't know how they got it. And eating lunch and watching it with the, the Pivotos. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, yeah, and, and I had to find him, make sure that he was okay before I... Yeah, answered the phone. Yeah, because she... <laughs> I, I don't even think he hit the ground before she called yeah. me. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, boy. Yeah. Um, I didn't see everything from the vantage point that I had, but that he just misjudged that double, or the, one of those doubles. and Yeah, set him up, and then he got bumped or something, and over he went. Yep. Yeah. It, it didn't take much to... Uh, that Supercross-style set of jumps was, was pretty was pretty rough yeah if he didn't have a clear path for it he was in trouble exactly yeah. Yeah. you know he said that was the portion of the track during practice that he was stressed over oh well that makes you sense know. yeah but other than that I mean we went and practiced out in the, some of the tracks they had there yeah I remember that you showed footage of that yeah I, 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 we had a good time yeah you know? if we were going to go race nationals 
you go to Florida, you know, the national start in March, you go to Florida in February and you stay there and you train in the sand because that's where your first race is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and Garen loved it because there was a couple other pros out there that were fast. And so he got to, he, we got to have a good time. Yeah. You know, and his buddy rode in the back of the van on the quad because there wasn't enough seats. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't ride I wouldn't ride on the quad. I got to ride sit in the seat. Yeah. You know. That's so, where they picked you up from the airport, huh? Yeah. 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 It was it was it was a lot of fun. That was a good experience for him. He needed that. I think he would have done well because he was starting to get the hang of it. The motor was long enough that he was working. He was in the second group, working his way to the first group. He might have caught him, might have passed him, might have done okay. Yeah. I, I mean, he, he still would have had an experience. Yeah. You know. And Donnie Luce would have put us in the pro class if 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 Garen would have said yes, we would have been in the pro line. Oh, really? Yeah. Garen goes, ah, I've never raced one of these. i got to figure it out. Yeah. And I said, okay, Garen, it's totally up to you, man. Yeah. I haven't seen Donnie Luce in a long time. Uh, his daughter, uh, Jimmy White, officiated his daughter's wedding. <laughs> I don't know exactly what day that was, but wow, I seen that on Facebook. You know, nice. Yeah. How long you been listening, Dad? Oh, just a few minutes. Ah, some of the stories you have heard, some of the stories you haven't heard. <laughs> Most of them I haven't. <laughs> we don't get to talk about them all the time, but uh, Brian. I want to ask you if you'll come back because we only got to touch on a, a portion of it and we talked about our life and some of the things that we've got to do. We didn't dive into some of your career as far as I would have liked to have gotten. I'll come back anytime. Well, I want to appreciate I appreciate you so much. I know how busy you are. I know that your work schedule is, is as hectic as mine, so it's hard to it's hard to get you to come and sit down. And, and the air conditioning in this place is horrible, so <laughs> you know I think maybe the the boss should get, throw down some AC, but I don't think he's going to. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> open that other door. <laughs> it is open. Yeah. Yeah, it is open. But uh, I, again, I appreciate it, Brian. It's always fun to talk to you. Uh, we, we've got to do a lot of wonderful things together, and, and uh, for a lot of years. Yeah, and not only did I get to race with you, mm-hmm. I got to work with your children, and, and that was uh, for you allowing somebody outside of you to help them yeah. was always an honor. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at atvtalkpodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.